This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode, GPIT reprovisioning. The earlier practices start preparing for the change, the better. We do things a little bit differently from south of the border, and all the suppliers are going to be working hard and are working hard to customise their existing systems to deliver to the Scottish specification. The process of organising these many competitions is not all that simple. So, are we still recording them? Yeah, that's what we can edit. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Snug Podcasts. My name's Neil Kelly, and I'm a general practitioner in Dumfries and Galloway, and one of the co-chairmen of SNUG, the Scottish National Users Group. In this episode, uh, we're going to consider what is probably one of the most important programmes of work in general practice information technology and computing in Scotland currently, and that is the reprovisioning of your core GPIT system. In other words, what's going to replace EMIS? and vision looking forwards into the future. This is a programme of work that's been underway now for four or five years and has made some reasonable progress up until now. The suppliers of these systems have now been tasked to go away and do the pieces of development required to ensure they have a product suitable for the Scottish general practice market. So uh, the programme to deliver this in Scotland is being managed by Rob Hutton and I took the opportunity to catch up with him at the Snug Members Day and ask him a little bit about what was happening with the GPIT reprovisioning programme. So thank you very much, Rob, for agreeing to spend 10 minutes with me, just uh, filling us in on on reprovisioning. Uh, Perhaps you can introduce yourself and uh, just tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, hi, I'm Robert Hutton, and I'm the GPIT Implementation Manager uh, for the GPIT reprovisioning project. Uh, I work for the Contract Vendor and Service Management Team at National Services Scotland. Okay, that's great. Uh, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about uh, about what reprovisioning is. Yeah, so so back in uh, 2010, there were, were contracts awarded for the current GPIT systems that are in use in Scotland just now, the EMIS and Vision systems. And those contracts have began to expire uh, from 2017 onwards. They went into a transitional phase. And the the first of those contracts, actually exiting the transitional phase um, this this year, uh, Larynx were the first one, and they've just just extended their contract. Uh, What this means is that there is a need to replace these systems or to, to, to go out again uh, and re-procure the systems. There's also a, a need from the, the GP community to have more modern and effective uh, IT systems uh, and to address things like uh, local hosting where the, the uh, systems are currently in the, in the practice and move to a more modern and secure form of centralised hosting. Um, so the GPIT provisioning project began in... 2015 uh, to develop the specification, have the uh, outline business case approved and then finally to go into uh, the actual procurement process to replace these systems. Okay, so uh, how's it all been going? 
So far, so good. Um, we were able to award contracts to three suppliers. So basically a framework agreement um, was awarded on the 1st of February 2019. And we have appointed Microtest, Emis and Vision as three suppliers that are on that framework agreement. And they now have one year to deliver these new IT systems and to undergo accreditation testing. And then we'll be able to go into many competitions to allow the GP community to select the systems that are most appropriate for, for their needs. So what is the sort of current state of progress with suppliers then, as far as you're aware? Um, they are all just um, scaling up to deliver to the Scottish requirements. So the Scottish requirements were something like 1,200 requirements that were specified. Um, so we do things a little bit differently from south of the border and all the suppliers are going to be working hard and are working hard to customise their existing systems to deliver to the Scottish specification and they have until next February to do that. So they're working hard, they're recruiting, um, our team is recruiting to support them so that they can correctly understand and interpret our 1200 requirements and uh, deliver that in the next year. What are the next steps for, for the programme really? While we're waiting on the suppliers and working with the suppliers to deliver the system, there's a lot of things that we can usefully do with that time. Um, I mentioned earlier that there's a, a process of many competitions that uh, should begin as soon as we have systems that have passed testing uh, next February 2020. We want to be in a position to start many competitions, and to do that, you need groups of GPs that are going to enter the many competitions that we're calling cohorts and those cohorts need to have defined what, what it is they care about, what's important to them, any optional modules, catalogue items that they want to buy. Um, so we have to work with the, the health boards and with the general practice communities to understand the shape of these cohorts and meet with them to develop uh, and capture their requirements into a specification so that we can go into many competition. So that's work that can happen during the year while the suppliers are busily producing their new systems. Uh, the other area we need to do is to make sure that we're ready to roll these systems out in terms of preparation uh, within the, the GP practices. There's a other project going on just now uh, about the rollout of Windows 10 and replacement of some of the PCs. So that's other good activity that will help prepare the ground for the, the arrival of these new systems next year. So what might practices expect over the next sort of 6 to 12 months in terms of their involvement and, and, and how they might be able to contribute to the process? The, the process of organising these many competitions is not all that simple. And we've had a couple of meetings with a, a cohort subgroup of our project to work out some of the detail of that. And the group has prepared some guidance that we're going to send out to the health boards and meet with the health boards to discuss. And, and what we'll be asking is that the general practice and the health boards work together to, to agree provisional groups of GPs and then, as a project team, we'd like to come out and meet with those, these what we're calling provisional cohorts, to come and meet with them. And, and we'd like to do this from October onwards, October 2019 onwards. And uh, from that, we'll work with you to develop the, the specification. Um, obviously, there are some boards that will be ahead of others and, and needing to go to procurement, depending upon when their, their current contracts expire. So not, not necessarily everybody will, will go in the, the first wave of many competitions, but we'll work that one out. We're also looking for the, the, these cohorts to potentially be bigger than just one health board. 
So um, if, if, you, if you have a group of GPs within one health board and their requirements look a lot like a group of GPs from another health board, then if everybody's in agreement, we can, we can combine that into a larger mini-competition, um, which will let, the, let us get through the whole process much quicker and also potentially offer better, better value. So obviously the formation of these cohorts across uh, health board areas, different health board areas, uh, is potentially quite complicated. Can you tell me a little bit about who you think needs to be involved in that process? Okay, so in terms of forming the cohort within a health board, then uh, the subgroup of the, the, that worked on the cohort formation uh, strongly recommended that it be the general practices, health and social care partnership, and NHS boards that work together to uh, define who should be the, the cohort or how the cohort should be assembled within a health board. Beyond that, though, the opportunities for collaboration between health boards, once we understand the needs of each cohort, then the GPITD provisioning team would, would look at that specification and seek to find you know, opportunities for collaboration. Of course, if, if health boards themselves are aware of neighbouring boards and so on, where there's opportunities for collaboration, we're really keen to, to hear about that from the outset. So, so the the, the programme board sitting in NSS are, are going to sort of be the the ringmaker and all of that with cooperation from health boards. Then, in terms of uh, within the cohort, sorry, within the health board, then it, it really is down to the the, um, the general practices, the health and social care partnership, and the NHS board. But when it comes to larger cohorts that join up health boards, then that's where we see the the GP IT reprovisioning team having a, a role to support. So tell me a little bit then about the accreditation and, and testing of, of these system, how, uh, systems. How is that going to work for, for, for GPs? Okay, so the, the accreditation and testing, it would be a, a combined effort of uh, health boards. Uh, we expect it will be Glasgow and Grampian uh, working with National Services Scotland to do the testing with uh, the health boards leading on the user acceptance testing and um, NSS on the integration with national systems such as the emergency care summary so that's how we see that working um, the suppliers all have to successfully complete that testing before they are eligible to go into these mini competition processes and uh, so wh- when it comes to making a choice from systems it won't be a it won't be vaporware that will be uh, being evaluated it will be systems that have been proven to meet the Scottish specification that the GPS will be able to uh, select from okay Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, you've got a power of work ahead of you. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today. Thanks very much. Clearly, the principal impact on much of this, from a practical point of view, is going to be at the practice level. And so I thought it would be useful to take the opportunity to catch up with one of our local practice managers and find out what he was feeling about the programme and what was needed to ensure its safe delivery in the future. Okay, uh, Brian, thank you very much for agreeing to to do this on a sunny Friday afternoon. Okay, hi, I'm Brian Ponton and I'm the practice manager of the North Surgery in Annan. So I just wanted to, to start out by asking you perhaps a little bit about what you have heard already about the GP reprovisioning programme. Okay, well I'm aware that the framework contracts were signed with EMIS Vision and Microtest um, back in February uh, and the three suppliers were given 12 months to develop uh, an accredited product to meet Scottish requirements. I've heard that the system will be cloud-based, 
possibility of a single system for the west of Scotland or Dumfries and Galloway. And my understanding is following testing and approval, the new GPIT system is unlikely to start rollout until June 2020. Uh, and it's a 30-month rollout schedule. Okay, uh, and so that idea of uh, a single system across Dumfries and Galloway, for example, that, that clearly requires us to, to come to some sort of agreement across all of the practices in Dumfries and Galloway. How easy do you think that will be for us to achieve that? Um, I think at the moment we're operating with mainly EMIS practices. Clearly there's benefits for all practices being on a single system, and I think practices will um, understand that. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree. So uh, how do you feel about the progress that's been um, made this far uh, and how you're being informed about that? Okay, well, progress appears to be in line with the communicated timescales, but uh, I've got absolutely no idea what stage the suppliers are at and indeed if they're on, you know, if they're on track at this stage. In terms of how we're communicated to, um, practice managers receive occasional updates from the local IM&T teams. We obviously see the communications in the snug newsletters uh, and I've noticed there's an article just this month in the Good Practice newsletter. Okay, so you get some but perhaps not a whole lot from, from, from the sounds of that so that's perhaps something that we need to look at and, and improve and improve upon. Let's move on a little and uh, consider the, the challenges. What, what, what are the challenges, you think, for delivering these new GPIT systems to practices? Yeah, I've been, um, I've been thinking about this one because um, clearly there's, there's multiple challenges. So the new system will have to have the capacity to interface with all the existing applications so as well as the obvious ones, Sky Gateway, Lab Results, etc., uh, it needs to be able to work with uh, third-party suppliers, which provide products such as um, warfarin management tools, uh, text reminder services, etc. So I think that's potentially a significant challenge. There will always be the inevitable installation and rollout challenges, and I think health board plans, practice plans need to be robust. Practices being adequately supported with data migration and staff training. I also think, I said this would be a long answer, uh, that practices, there'd be a challenge around maintaining business continuity and quality of care during the transition. Uh, So it needs to be carefully considered in the planning how, for example, chronic disease management, recall letters um, are maintained. So there are clearly risks for the practices in all of that, and you're right. I mean, I think the key has to be around good planning across the health board and between the health board and practices. What do you think, um, for you, will be some of the most important features of any potential new GPIT system for your practice? Potential features with the system clearly needs to be intuitive and easy to use. Um, it needs to be fast, reliable, easy, easy, easy to integrate with the, the other providers which I've mentioned. Displays need to be flexible. Uh, and from my own personal point of view, it'd be useful to have enhanced uh, search and report functionality. And I think many clinicians would 
agree that the interface that, that they use has to be intuitive, it has to be flexible and, and easy to use. I guess as a snug podcast, we, we probably need to touch on what the users group, the national users group could do to support practices throughout this. What sort of ideas or thoughts do you have about the, the possible role of snug throughout all of this? I think SNUG needs to continue to provide regular updates to keep practices abreast of developments, uh, although I acknowledge that we're, we're currently in this period of uh, the suppliers developing the product, so there may not be too much to communicate at times. I'm not sure whether SNUG can support the development of a practice toolkit to support practices uh, throughout the stages of the process, pre- and post-implementation. I'm not sure whether... That's something that Snug can support. I think it's certainly something that we would want to go in and look at. I think I think that's a good idea. And I suppose as a users group, we need to um, be prepared to work with uh, the program board who are delivering across Scotland to, to consider what sort of tools or what, what packages of support might be useful. I'd agree. And I think the um, the earlier practices start preparing for the for the change, the better, and the earlier step by step migration guides, training guides, uh, video, and other such materials are available. The better. Okay, well that uh, gives Snug a few uh, good pointers on things that they might want to go and do uh, over the course of the next six months. Thank you very much for taking the time, and we'll probably come back to you at some point in the future and ask how you think it's all gone. That's my pleasure, Neil. Thank you. There we have it, the current state of play with our Scottish GP IT reprovisioning programme. I have absolutely no doubt that this will be one of the biggest shows in town over the course of the next couple of years, and no doubt we will want to come back and review and reflect progress um, in another podcast in the future, um, particularly around some of the role that the National Users Group has in in supporting the programme, supporting training, supporting development. Uh, and in particular identifying the needs of cohorts and groups of practices as they start to come together in the process of of selecting what system they wish to use going forward for the next seven years or indeed more. So thank you very much for uh, taking the time to listen to this episode of the Snug Podcast and we hope very much that you've enjoyed it. Uh, Of course we would very much like to hear feedback from you as to Uh, the sorts of things you would like to hear in future podcasts or indeed to provide us with some comments or ideas uh, on on the material that you've heard particularly in this one or in the previous podcast you can forward these ideas to Alex DeFranco um, via the Snug website Uh, you can Twitter about it uh, on our Twitter account uh, and on our Facebook page and the details of all of these things uh, are included in the uh, details associated with this podcast, which you can pick up from your usual podcast provider. So thanks very much and look forward to hearing you and seeing you at another Snug event or just being able to talk to you on our next Snug podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.